Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. I guess let's let's start off with asking you a little bit about digital transformation, which is uh, a very very big part of the industrial agenda at the moment. But you know, it means so many different things to so many different people. What does it mean to you? I I, I think I think to me, real digital transformation is about um, reinventing uh, the company business model, right? Mm-hmm. To either uh, maintain a competitive advantage or to find uh, new sources of growth, right? Um, to me, it's, it's, it starts redefining the why the company exists. It's yeah. very deep, right? And what is a new value proposition given the amount of disruption that we're seeing across all the industries uh, these days. And then, you know, uh, gradually working on the what and the how, and the how is the operating model. I mean, digital transformation is changing the way the company behaves and reacts uh, to consumer needs, to customer needs, uh, but also is the world, is how to embrace uh, new technologies, uh, new skills, uh, new operating models to, to make it happen. I mean, some, sometimes I, I'm going to be very honest, you know, I, I see a lot of companies do more digitization rather than digital transformation. And, what's what's and, the difference? And, 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 and to me, digitization is, is is you know is is using new technologies to to automate the status quo, right? The processes yeah. that we have today, and and I think it's a very thin slice of a real digital transformation. Mm-hmm. Based on the you know definition, you ask me what does it mean for me? Yeah. To me, it's a very deep uh, redefinition of the business model. So you know, digitization is just a thin slice of that. So when um, in your most recent experience with Pirelli, I guess you you've seen that firsthand. So so what did that digital transformation look like with Pirelli? I mean, for organizations that we speak to, that they're getting started is a challenge. So how did, how did Pirelli make the journey? Uh, what were the kind of key stages and key things you did to, to do it in the real way rather than in that kind of surface way that, that is the, the error that companies can make? And that's a good question. I, I think we, we started with we're looking at the industry, right? I mean, the automotive industry, we were looking at the trends in the industry. Uh, we look at uh, electrification of cars, uh, transportation as a service, you know, the Ubers, the lifts of the world. Not only that, you know, some of the big auto manufacturer companies are getting into that. BMW is, is creating a transportation as a service company themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you know it, you're in Europe, you see it, right? Um, and last but not least, uh, connected cars, right? Yeah. yeah. And that context, in that context, we basically redefine our value proposition. I mean, we we said we need to go from selling tires, right? Uh, piece of rubber that goes uh, yeah. in the car, pretty boring sometimes, right? As, as much as we have passion for our products and we really sell very prestige products. Uh, but it's going from, from the, the physical product to a digitized product, the tire that actually is intelligent, the tire that actually talks to the car, talks to the driver, talks to the software in autonomous vehicles to make uh, that uh, vehicle more 
safer and better performance. So it was, um, was a conversation around how do we position our product in a new reality and, and the fact that we define our product in, in that way triggered a lot of conversations about the real digital transformation. What does it mean for our supply chain, for yeah. our manufacturing processes? What does it mean for our dealers, right? They are selling this tire, regular tire. Now they need to sell actually a tire that produces information that has to be calibrated. There are sensors involved. I mean, many, many things. Imagine this. We, we go from selling tires to selling data, APIs, and software. To that's a big shift. So it's, it's a big shift. It's a big shift. So that's where kick in the real transformation of a company because that you need to review 100% of of your structures, your processes, your ways of work, in all your functions. I mean, it, it was huge, right? I would imagine that um, involves the technical side, the digital side, HR, trainers, everyone. marketers. Your suppliers, you know, the salespeople yeah. that are selling it on the shop floor, yeah. the guys that are producing it, everybody. Everybody, everybody. Even, even you need to, to get the legal team to help you because you're talking about data and, you know, you have GDPR and... How are you going to protect the data? Then each manufacturing company, you know, Porsche or Lamborghini, they, they want you to actually hold the data in their cloud yeah. environments and, and technically that, that creates. Uh, and, and, and how difficult challenge. is it, Marcelo, how difficult is it to go from the idea, I guess, from the moment you get an idea of digital transformation at the top to actually implementing it all the way through down the value chain? I mean, that must take a great deal of time and also management effort. It, it, it takes a lot of time. Um, the reason that we were able to you know, pull this off um, quickly is that we kept a lot of focus on saying, okay, we're going to do it this way. We're going to remove some, I would say, uh, luxurious features that we wanted to have in the first version of yeah. the product. And... Um, and we created a cross-functional team, very focused on, on just doing that, actually removed from, from the physical structure of the traditional company, uh, giving them freedom, giving them the right ways of working, right. giving them a lot of help, uh, right partnerships. I mean, the partners that we use for making it happen were really different partners to the ones that we use in, in the day-to-day -day basis for the traditional business, right? Mm, that's interesting. But it took, uh, it, took, it took us to get to the first, I would say, commercial version of our product 18 months, right? Uh, okay. So, and when that, when that happens, I guess people relax a little bit because they can see that it's going to deliver. You can see it. When you see it. when you see it in the market, when the team did the launch in the West Coast here in the U.S., and, and you see it, you know, working, and you see the drivers providing feedback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But to see that, I mean, it's contagious, honestly. I mean, uh, well, you can take the team with you, can't you? Because you can yeah, take them yeah. through the journey. Exactly, and and then you start to have a different problem because when when you have this a small startup in a large traditional corporation being successful, then the problem, which is a good problem to have, by the way, yeah. Uh, you have the people on the traditional side of the business that try to say, how do I apply to be part of this team, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yes. and, and, and remember, it's a small team and it's revenue stream that is growing. So you welcome that, but you cannot bring another hundred of people into the yeah. team. No. Even though it's, it's obviously so, the exciting place to be. At that, at that yeah, 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 yeah. Let, let me ask you, Marcelo, how would you advise other companies that perhaps are seeing that, you know, digital transformation is something that they know they must do? 
uh, but they see this as a transformative part of their business and how this is something that could uh, revolutionize things of so all the positives, but yet all of the potential logistical issues. What would you advise companies on what to do? I, I, I think I, I, I will get back to what I said before. First, define why you need to do it, right? And, and, and it's extremely important. I mean, it looks like a, a small detail, but I give you two examples, not only Pirelli, but also in Mondelez. The why was what guided the team to, to make things happen. In Mondelez was, we need to create a 1 billion US dollar in e-commerce business by 20, mm -hmm. right? And that was the guiding principle for the team. Yeah. And then the team came back with, you know, digital platform for gifting chocolates, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Or Pirelli were the trends, but also we need to enable our IPO process, which was October 2017, right? right? And this is a pillar of our innovation, and this is what is going to help us to have, you know, a successful IPO with good valuation. So make sure that you define what it is, the digital transformation, and then work from there, work from there in uh, how and what, right? Yeah. And I would say the how is very important because you are going to be experimenting with things that are new territory. So if you put all your vets in new territory, most likely you're not going to see any results in the short term. And we all know in large companies when we have quarterly calls that, you know, showing gradual results is important. So that's where there is a little bit of uh, art in finding, I would say, horizon two or, you know, edge of horizon one and horizon two innovation with a little bit of, you know, right here, right now improvements and mix and match uh, because it helps to show results, but also helps the team to get confidence, right? Yeah. Because if the team sees that they are iterating and experimenting and failing and failing fast, which, you know, I, I suggest companies to do, but they have to be some wins. We need to help yeah. the team in the first six months to get some wins on top of the table to get their credibility. So I would say those two things are important. That makes sense. When you start. Um, and you mentioned horizons there. And what's always interesting is to see where, where those next horizons are going. And I know from seeing your posts on social media and things, you're very interested in the kind of the future of technology and, and what, it, what it might do. Um, where do you think we might get to in, let's say, five years or 10 years time in terms of digital transformation mm -hmm. for companies, maybe well, also consumers as well? Yeah, I mean, um, five years from now, I can't tell you, you know, if, if I could tell you, I, I would be super rich. Yeah. <laughs> five years from now. But I, I have a vision. I mean, I, I look at technology two years from now, and five years is a little bit more of a dream uh, with the pace of, of change. But look, I, I like always to, to quote Andrew NG, who is a very well-renowned yeah. AI guru, artificial intelligence guru from Baidu. And he always says, you know, pretty much anything that a normal person can do in less than two seconds, artificial intelligence can automate it today or in the very short term. And it's, it's totally true, right? Yeah. So when you think about that, think about the company of the future. Think about the role of, of, of the human in the future. And, and, you know, it's a little bit worrying on one side. I'm very positive about this change. So you're not yeah. going to see me 
uh, whining that this is going to happen. I think it's a leadership moment. I think it's, it's a moment in where we need to look at what's coming. We need to understand uh, what works and what the jobs are not going to exist. We need, yeah. we need to understand it, right? And then work back and say, okay, how do I re-engineer, redesign my workflows, right? How do I actually change the educational system? Because we might be educating our children today to things that are going to be obsolete in yeah. five to ten years, right? Yeah. So, so I think that I think the way we educate our children has to change, right? And um, but I'm positive about the, the the future in terms of in terms of consumers. You know, I, I follow very closely um, conversational interfaces, you no, know, the, the sorts of Alexa, Google Home. Yeah. And coming from CPG, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, how much money we spend in in building our brands and building loyalty and advertising and i'm thinking you know i was with the guys of whirlpool like six months ago looking at the refrigerators and you know they yeah. use much recognition to see what they have inside the refrigerator and when you know your stock is going down they will actually reorder for you so i'm thinking i'm thinking how do you if you are a cpg company right yeah how do you really advertise your products when I go to a machine to a refrigerator yeah 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 yeah. which which is not a human and what is the new definition of brand loyalty in that uh, new uh, environment right so so it's exciting times to be in technology but as you can see there are many questions that are on the technology side but there are many more questions on how humans will use technology yeah for conducting businesses. I think that area, is, it has more questions than, than the questions that we have on how do we fix, for example, blockchain to, yeah. to be performant uh, at scale, right? Which is one of the biggest uh, speed bumps that we have today with, with blockchain. Uh, if I go to blockchain, if you let me make a, you know, I, I am, I'm uh, on the fence with blockchain. I love the technology. I think that many companies are doing a lot of proof of, proof of concepts, yeah. but to really scale it up, Besides the technical issues that we will solve, the open source community is very smart. I think the concept of um, uh, mini, minimum viable uh, ecosystem is important. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if I am a company and I'm putting all my traceability information in my blockchain, I need everyone to use the same blockchain. Right? Yeah, if it and fragments, then we're no further forward, really, are we? The, the, exactly, if the fragmentation exists, the, the yeah. technology, I mean, it defeats the purpose, right? But the technology is very good, I and mean, it will happen, right? But requires things that are outside the technology domain. Do you think there will become, there will be, uh, emerge, I was going to say an equivalent of Google in blockchain. It might actually be Google in blockchain. The, actually, a dominant player will be clear and it will at that point join together and the sort of smaller players, a bit like the early days of search engines. Is that something you think might happen? I, I, I think, you know, I, I see it happening because you see Google has, has announced uh, something like that very recently, yeah. uh, you know, Amazon the same, everyone is building, you know, developer kits for, for, for blockchain. I mean, it, it will get into, into one kind of platform that people will use. I, I hope it, it is still more on the open source side of yeah. the fence yeah. than the, you know, big enterprise. Because it's a it's a technology that can be used for 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 many many things, you know, and, yeah. and, and for good for for the planet, good for the for humanity. I think there are many many applications of blockchain for 
yeah. other things other than business, pure business, right? Some of those very exciting projects around sustainability and visibility. Well, there's there's so much to be to be added to the blockchain conversation, but I, but I want to bring you back to something you said earlier about the human aspect of uh, technology and digitization or digital transformation. How do you explain, or how does one in your position explain to non-digital people the benefits of uh, digital transformation? So whether it's a board of directors that are not necessarily close to the product, they're sitting there looking at numbers, whether it's people on the shop floor, how do you take those people with you uh, to ensure that digital transformation is something that people buy into and, and carry through? Because it's such a big, big thing. Yeah, it is, it is. I mean. Look, let, let's, let's work with the two audiences that you just uh, mentioned. One is the people at the shop floor, right? Yeah. Um, for example, in, in, in Pirelli, uh, well, the team did is, you know, we visit the plants, we, we stay with them, we run workshops to tell them what the future of manufacturing will be, right? I mean, and this, you know, you use these videos that are pretty much uh, uh, aspirational, right? And, uh, but then, then you have a conversation about what does it mean for you? We run a specific conversations and how do you see playing? What, what are your concerns, right? Really understand that when people in the shop floor, they see the, the first thing they think is I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first, it's the first reaction. Right? Even if they don't tell you, that's the first reaction. So you need to bring them from there to look, I know that could happen, but you know what? This company is going to invest in you. Mm. It's going to invest in giving you the right skills. It's going to invest in, in letting you experiment with this, which you maybe go to another company and there is no agenda of mm. preparing the employees for what's coming. Yeah. So when people see that, actually see and you do it because you need to talk and then you need to do it, right? You need to, yeah. you need to walk the talk. People get, it's incredible the amount of energy that you get from the shop floor guys. I mean, if you ask me within the company, who has been the ambassadors of digital transformation, I would say people in the shop floor. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It is fantastic because they're they are problem solvers. They have a lot of accountability on what they do. And if you give them the framework and the tools and the education, they are fast. Well, they are very you also fast. mentioned something about opportunities can be created as well for uh, people that have perhaps displayed one sort of skill over a period of time. Digitization can free them up to embrace those skills and use them some, you know, in different places. Um, one of the things that we're very passionate about is diversity in the workforce, getting more uh, you know, younger people into the workforce, people from different ethnic backgrounds, women into manufacturing and technology. Uh, I mean, digital transformation can offer the opportunity to attract those types of people, you know, whether they are of a different, you know, diverse background or uh, from the shop floor to management, whatever it is, I think, would you agree to that, with that? I, I, I fully agree. You are touching a topic that is extremely close to my heart. Okay. Um, I, I spend a lot of time specifically advocating for, for women in STEM careers, right? I yeah. mean, um, just think about a couple of numbers, right? I mean, and these are US numbers, but I think I can share with you some European numbers. You can correct me if they are wrong because they are not on top of... Mm -hmm. Of my hand now, but 47% uh, of, of um, the workforce are women, but only around 12% are engineers, right? Wow. And overall, overall, above and beyond the gender, we have a shortage of engineers for whatever we need to do in the future. And as I said before, just look at AI, right? Yeah. 
it, it's it's a it's a huge problem not having the the amount of people and then the diversity of of talent. And the reason that this is a big issue, not having diversity in uh, in, in technology roles, is is, is not because it, it's a it's you know it's a fashion topic to talk about it. I mean, just think about in the early days of speech recognition technology, right? I mean, we were developing that technology using male voices because most of the engineers were male, right? Yeah. And guess what? It didn't work with women voices, yeah. right? At all, it failed. It failed fantastically well, right? So, imagine in a world in where we are going to have human-machine collaborations. We do need, for a business reason, to have the right diversity in our engineering teams. And diversity, as you mentioned before, it is gender, it is race, it is everything, right? It is a must. Now, the good news is that there are there are. Uh, NGOs working on, on on this topic, you know, helping young girls to get interested yeah. into engineering careers, but it's not enough. I mean, I, I keep saying every time people ask me about this on any interview, I say, we need the government, we need the universities, we need the schools. We do, need do, you think, do you think the manufacturing industry as a whole has a reputational issue with regards to attracting women and uh, people from diverse backgrounds into the industry? Is it sexy I, enough? Is it exciting I, enough? I think it has it has a reputation of not attracting women, for yeah. sure. I mean, I mean, from outside, I mean, uh, uh, unfortunately, but it must change. It must change. It must change. Again, again, this is not something that is cool to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's how the companies are going to be working in the future, right? I mean, we're going to be producing automatically with artificial intelligence. Many of the products that we have, and there will be quality assurance uh, processes that are going to be automated. And you want engineers from diverse backgrounds to, to put their minds together to develop those algorithms, right? Yes. Cannot be developed only from people sitting in Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley is a tiny part of the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, already that, those skill sets and that knowledge around AI are already clustered in yeah. the Googles and the Facebooks mm-hmm. of the world because <laughs> they have the narrative that appeals to, to get the best talent coming out of colleges. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the industry uh, players are kind of losing out to a whole generation unless they can get their story into a shape that appeals. I, mean, I think that's what, that's what we were talking about is the fact that the, the manufacturing industry, although there's a lot of innovation taking place, I mean, you started off by telling us all the great, exciting things that are happening in Pirelli, things that, were, that, that you've been doing in the last couple of years. But I think when people think, or young people, young people or women think about manufacturing, it's a different type of industry that they perceive. <clears throat> So maybe there's some work to be done uh, within the manufacturing industry themselves with leaders like yourself about attracting uh, diversity into the workforce, about changing the narrative, really, about the, the benefits that manufacturing can offer as a career. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, selling the picture of the manufacturing of the future, which is, you know, people maybe think manufacturing is about lifting boxes, right? It's, it's not today. And it's, not, it's going to be less in the future. Yeah. So we need a completely different employee at the manufacturing plant in where I, I believe you, women, people from different races, anyone will be excited to be part of. But we need, as you said, we need to tell the right story. And we're not. We're not. I'm interested in, um, in this idea of leadership because I think historically maybe 
anybody with digital in their job title was seen as kind of providing an internal service to colleagues, you know, it was IT and software, technical systems. But, you know, the conversation we've had today is very much around enabling change, managing cultural shift, uh, inspiring and leading different segments within the business. Have you been aware of that changing during your career? Have you been conscious of the kind of skill set and the the role that your senior digital uh, mm. position takes within the company? Well, I, I, I've been, I've been, honestly, when I started my career, I was coming from, from, you know, being a founder of my startup and I got into Banco Santander in another startup and I was fired from Banco Santander <laughs> after two years and a half. And I tell you what, because I was a great software developer, a greatest, you know, a great uh, startup person, an individual contributor, and at one point, I didn't know how to scale up a business. So, you know, Banco Santander was extremely good with me. They fired me. They sent me to UC Berkeley to study business administration. Okay. And that was my, my first shift in terms of skills. My second shift in terms of skills was um, maybe maybe when I was in Asia, in, in Mondelez, when I started to get very close to the marketing organization and, and using information to make our advertisement more sticky, right? And, and you need to start to play a completely different role because I knew how to develop software in iterations and I have to convince the marketers to do marketing campaigns working in an agile mode also, right? Yeah. So, so I became a sort of technologist with uh, an evangelist role and a change management hat. Yeah. And my toolbox became more on changing people's minds and, and aligning their hearts and their minds to something new yeah. than, than the technical aspect. Because on the other side, the technical aspect of technology, thanks to companies like you know, Amazon Web Services or Google or, or Microsoft, is becoming less complex to a certain point, right? It's still extremely complex, but it's less complex. Right, so you have more time to think about how to manage the change required in the organization to drive adoption. Because remember, you can implement as much as technology you want. If there is no adoption, there is no business result. Hundred yeah. yeah. percent. I think one of the, the challenges that we deal with regularly is the amount of shelfware people have. Uh, they buy technology, they buy kit, they think that it's going to be the solution to all of the problems that they have. That it's digitization for the sake of digitization to say that they've embarked on a digital project but they cannot then change their mind the minds of their teams they can't change their their people's processes and those projects fail i'm sure you've seen it many times many many times and 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 typically it's because we what we don't do well is we need to think every single change that we do with technology change the way people work and they and in that group of people the people that will be winning and they are the ones that will lose we need we need to use the right word there are people who lose with the change so yeah. we need to focus on those and give them a new value proposition yeah because otherwise the is 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 you know they're going to be against it naturally they're human beings right yeah, yeah. of course they're human beings and another aspect of that of that change culture and, and human reactions is around the the culture of innovation and the necessary part of that, which is around failure, uh, being prepared to fail, being prepared to try. Because if you know what the result is before you do it, it's not really innovating, it's just it's just <laughs> made to be. Did you find that in your experience, 
there is still this historical uh, inability to accept failure, even even in a kind of brand new project. There is, there is, there is. In, in look, I mean, failure in large corporations is a career derailment, right? I mean, we like it or not, no one will go to a to a large meeting and say, you know what, I'm very proud today. I failed six times, right? People will look at you like, what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> now. Now, what you say is true, real innovation, not innovation, uh, I would say incremental innovation, which is innovation within the framework of the status quo. Real innovation has risk. And as much as you want to plan something that is an emerging technology or the impact of the emerging technology in the company, it's gonna be a guesswork, right? So it's much better, I would typically say, you know what, let's talk about risk, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, the biggest risk that we, we can afford in this conversation is, I mean, is, and we cannot actually, is doing nothing, right? Yeah. Now, if we do something in something that we don't know what's going to be the outcome, unless, at least, we learn what's possible. And if we architected the process in a way that we can fail and get to know fast and reward people of how fast they find the truth, yeah. Yeah. we might reduce the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have right? to bet. But, but, but the conversation about failure, I mean, one of the things when, we, when you start an innovation thing, if you don't have the CEO aligned on the value proposition of the innovation, on aligning that across all the leadership team, including in some cases, if the innovation is pretty disruptive for the core traditional model uh, on rewards, and providing the space for fast failing during the process, I would say I'm going to be very bold with this. Don't even try because you're going to end up in innovation theater. You're going to have the space with the, you know, the big bags and the pop sticks, yeah, yeah. take two or three pictures, you spend money and time. And you know what happened? And, and, and the, the, the sad thing is, okay, you can say, okay, Marcelo, well, we try, we write a couple of articles in a nice magazine and it's good. Yeah, but you know what happened? The people that have been part of the journey, you know what happened with them? Typically are very good employees, huh? they leave. Yeah, they go somewhere else where they're allowed to fail and allowed to uh, to expand. Exactly, exactly. So you need to be very careful. If those three things are not in place, I typically look at the eyes of the CEO. If I don't see that, I say, you know what? Let's let's keep talking about this. Mm. And we might not be ready, right? We might not be ready from the mindset perspective. We might not but, be ready. To but the thing is, what I would say is probably, and I'm sure you would say the same thing. In the day and age that we are in right now, I don't think many companies have a choice you know we are we are working in a world right now where uh ge has been taken out of the dow jones you know the the large entities that once dominated this earth are probably not going to be the large entities that are going to be sticking around so it's about uh embracing this digital transformation spirit in mind with their uh, from the ceo downwards to the shop floor and actually implementing this change. I think I don't think, um, tell me if you disagree, whether or not some of these companies will even have a choice. They're going to have to do it. No, no, absolutely. I think there is no choice. I mean, if you think in FMCG from 2011 to 2016, uh, there was a shift of 3% of share of market to smaller companies. That's a 22, $23 billion opportunity, right? So, I mean, those are numbers, right? I believe companies understand that intellectually. I don't. I haven't heard any CEO say I don't want to innovate. I don't want to, you know. But uh, there is a very interesting statistics by from CV Insights, 
uh, they did um, very recent, November, December 2017. They did a um, survey across global companies, large, medium, small. Everyone says innovation is important. Everyone says, I think I'm going to be disrupted. 48% of the companies say I, we have a risk of being disrupted. Interestingly enough, 82% of the innovation initiatives are incremental innovation. Yeah. yeah. So, so I do agree with what you say. What I'm saying is, what I see is that there is an intellectual understanding of the opportunity. Sometimes I don't see the willingness mm. to start. Yeah. For many, many reasons, right? It might be, you know, some of our leadership teams have been in place for many years and waiting for, you know, getting in, into playing golf or things like yeah. that. And, um, and, and, but, but it's a very interesting topic. I think, you know, we, we need maybe a, a broader group to discuss it, right? But uh, yeah, it's a very interesting topic to analyze. You know, look at those numbers. It's a very good survey, very recent CV insights. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, interesting, very interesting. Yeah, well, if we bring in psychologists, economists, okay. yeah, anthropologists, anthropologists, yeah, anthropologists yeah. yes, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Some sociologists as well, yeah. you know, understand what are the reasons why we're not doing it. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. maybe we'll get somewhere, somewhere near the truth at the heart of all that. Well, I hope that the, that the conversation we've had there, I think, has offered some real insight. Yes, into, thank you very much. What we could oh, thank you. Thank you. I enjoy every second of it. Thank you very much.